0: If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, if you would go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read just one verse today, verse number 28, and if you got it and you don't mind standing to your feet for the reading of God's Word, that'd be greatly appreciated, just so I know you're with me and you're ready this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if you don't have your Bible or you forgot to charge your Bible, it'll be up on the screen for you this morning as well. This is what the Word of God says today. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, entering into a time of your Word God, I ask today that you would just anoint my lips to preach, anoint every ear and every heart including mine to hear and receive today. God, I pray that you would let us be different than what we came in and that our lives would be changed from this moment on. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Well, like I mentioned, we we live life saved, sanctified on our way to heaven. But on our way there, on this journey to get to that place called eternity, there's a lot of stuff we got to deal with while we're here on this earth, amen. There's a lot of stuff we walk through daily. There's stuff that the people around you walk through daily. And you may be sitting here saying, today I everything is good great. I am blessed. I am highly favored. It's rainbows and cupcakes and unicorns for me in my life. Everything is fine and dandy. This doesn't mean anything to me today. I can check out now. I want to let you know today that if everything's great and wonderful in your life right now in this moment, I thank God for that. But I promise you, because Jesus promised that in this life we would have trouble, that there is going to come a moment in time when you are going to be in a place of trouble. And hardship. It's the reality of the life we live here on this earth is that there is going to be troubles. Jesus himself told his disciples. He said, in this life, you will have troubles. That is a promise from God. It's not a promise we want to hang on to. It's easier. I'd rather, I'd rather hold on to the promises of goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life I'd rather, I'd rather hang on to promises like you, you are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. I, I want to hang on to the promises of blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I want to hang on to those promises. It's really hard to hold on to the promises that result in hard times in our life. But the reality of it is is we will have hard times in our life. How many have ever been through a hard time in your life let 's be honest today there are seasons of great rough hardship, and i 've learned something and that there's really two major categories of of trouble two ways things happen in our life i 've learned one thing I have learned for sure is that everything has happens for a reason, but one of the reasons is that sometimes we are foolish and make bad decisions. I kind of got a little bit quiet in here on that one, but one of the reasons bad things happens to us is because we make bad decisions. We don't always do things right. We say things we shouldn't say. We dig ourselves into holes that we shouldn't have dug ourselves into. We, we back ourselves into corners by disobeying God's Word and commandments. Those are the ones we like, why does this always happen to me? Because you keep doing things that you shouldn't be doing. The other one is that there are things that just happen as a result of living in a fallen world. And there are things that just happen to us that you don't know where it came from. As far as you know, you're doing everything right and by the book. But things just happen. And I find in Scripture plenty of opportunities for us to understand these categories. There are two Old Testament examples that come to mind this morning. And I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet this morning because I... I believe that this is a simple word, but it's a powerful word for us today. But the first one I think of is when things just kind of happen and you don't know where it came from. I think of Job. Job, if you if you know the story of Job, we'll get into it here in a minute. But if you know Job and you've already known the story, you you know Job as like he is like when you think of suffering in the Bible, you think of him. When you think of hardship in the scriptures, you think of him. He is somebody, he is like the mascot of suffering. Because he lost it all. He lost all of his cattle. He lost all of his children. He lost everything that he had, all of his wealth. Everything was gone. He had boils on his skin. He was tortured. He was tormented. And it all started back in the beginning of the book of Job. You can read this account where God actually goes to Satan and tells Satan, Hey, have you ever considered my servant Job? Now when you first when you read that sometimes we miss some of the stuff in the Bible when you read that God is offering Satan an opportunity to test job. He's saying, "Hey, have you ever considered this guy over here?" and we're going to get into that in just a minute but the the idea that God opened up the door for suffering blows my mind because we want to believe that God would never allow stuff like that to happen to us. I find it interesting and a little bit funny too that out of all of the things Job suffered loss in, out of all the things that were taken away from him, and I, I find this just kind of funny and I couldn't help but share it with you this morning because this is going some parts of this message are going to be a little heavier. So if we could just have a moment of lightheartedness for our, for just a second here that the goal of Satan was to make Job suffer as much as humanly possible, but he could not kill Job. That was the the agreement. He could take away everything else. He could come at Job any way he wanted. He just could not kill him. The one thing that was not taken away from Job, and remember the goal was to make him suffer as much as possible, was Job's wife. It might take you a minute to catch on to that the goal was to make job suffer a lot as much as humanly possible he said i'm going to take away everything you have your children your servants your livestock your well all of this stuff is going to be destroyed you're going to lose every last bit of it and and then it's like well wait you forgot the wife and Satan's so like no i didn't i knew what i was doing and that's going to be significant here in just a moment when we understand that part of the suffering we go through sometimes and how much we suffer kind of depends on the people we have around us satan knew what he was doing because he knew that his wife was going to sit there and nag him and say tell him why don't you just curse god and die why don't you throw in the towel? Stop being so faithful. Obviously, your faithfulness has not resulted in anything good. Job had friends that were constantly telling him, well, you must have did something wrong. You must have sinned somewhere along the line. You, God's got it out for you in some way, shape, or form for some reason. Instead of, just, instead of encouraging positive people... He's got people surrounding him, cursing him, telling him, it's all your fault, everything's going wrong. He was maximized in his suffering, and God gave the permission for it. This blows my mind, and it really messes with some people's theology. Because like I said, we don't want to believe that God would allow this stuff. But I learned something through studying Job. And God spoke to my heart and said, Brandon, I did not curse him with suffering. I trusted him with it. Uh I'm going to say that again. I did not curse him with suffering. I trusted him with it. That's a whole shift of perspective that we think all of our suffering is a curse. But what if the what we call a curse is really a calling. You know, has anybody ever asked the question, why Why me? Why has this ever happened to me? Why, why do good people suffer bad things? Why, why does it seem like those who... who we recently had a, a friend, a close friend, we talked about Pastor David Pratt, who went home to be with the Lord here recently a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was a great man, a godly man, but why did he... Out of all the people in the world that are evil and do bad things, why him? Has anybody ever asked that question? Why did you have to take my mother? Why did you have to take my father? Why did you have to do, why did I have to have that happen to me? And and I had this epiphany last night. We were driving in the car and and we were having a conversation about this, and it kind of dawned on me to share with you today is that sometimes you see like the evil people the people who are in and out of prison who are hooked on drugs who have all these issues they'll get healed of their cancer they'll get delivered from this situation what meanwhile you're suffering the worst of it all i realized something what if that is god's act of mercy upon their life to give them another opportunity to repent and turn from their sin while you're saved you know where you're going a buddy of mine recently shared with me, and I'm, I'm going to backtrack into the whole COVID fiasco for just a moment here. I know that's a, still a sensitive topic for a lot of people, but he works in a factory and he, a guy he worked with was kind of making fun of Christians and how freaked out we all were during that, that season of life. And he goes, he made the statement one time at work and he shared it with me. He said, man, for these Christians loving Jesus so much, they sure are afraid to meet him. That, that that You want to talk about quiet. L- let's, let's have some perspective here this moment on suffering. I'm getting a little bit off track this morning of where I wanted to go, but I, I want to shed some light on, on the things that happen to us in our life. There's a purpose for all of it. There really is. But the purpose isn't always what we think it should be. And why do we shy away from it so much? I'm not saying go jump and find yourself some suffering somewhere and dive right into it. But we act as if it's the end of the world for us. And Paul said, I'd rather go be with Jesus. He goes, I believe it's in Philippians, he wrestles with this. He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, if I live in this world, I'm going to serve Christ with my life. But if I die, I gain because I go be with him. Yeah, we look at some circumstances. He, he looked at all of his torture. At every moment, he faced persecution and possible execution. He said, oh, this is an opportunity. I might just get to go be with my Savior. It's hard to suffer when you have a good perspective about your suffering. It's hard to suffer when you have a heart that is aligned and submitted to whatever God's will is for your life. Job was able to conquer this because there was two things he never forgot. There was two things that he stuck to throughout his entire story. It's a long book. Go read it. I'm not going to read you the whole thing today. But there's two things that, that, I, that really stuck out to me that Job had... And first one was fortitude of his faithfulness. He never lost his faith in God. He had strong foundational belief that whatever, he said, naked I came into this world, naked I shall leave this world. It's all the same to me because God is God and he is in control and it's up to him and I will not forsake him because of my circumstances. It was the fortitude of his faithfulness in his relationship with God that got him through was number one. Number two was he never stopped giving God glory for being God. He recognized that he was nothing in the presence of God, and God was all-powerful and almighty. He never stopped praising God for who he was and who he is. See, these two things, there are things in our life that just happen. And, and if you understand the story of Job, that it seemed as if uh, everything was just unfair and it was working against him. But if you understand the, the purpose of the story, it's that God trusted Job with suffering so that he could use Job to shame the devil. Because when you come to the end of the story... We find that Job is now standing victoriously through his trial, and God blesses him. And the Bible says what he had in the latter days was, or in the the next season of his life was more than what he had in the previous season of his life. And I ask the question: You know, I, I think I think about the Bible kind of funny sometimes. That I like to imagine Job as being so strong in his faith. You know, he's got pictures up of his family, and he's telling the story to his new family. And I can imagine that they're a little bit nervous because, well, you already lost the first round. And again, I I want us to have another lighthearted moment. And I, and I, I want us to understand that now he's got to explain to his new family what happened to the old family. And now he's got to have that conversation with them about the faithfulness of God, while now they look at that and say, well, what if it happens to me? The good news is is Job has the testimony that came through his suffering that he can now pass on into his new family, into his legacy that he has coming behind him. And his suffering served the purpose of building a strong foundation of faithfulness in his children. Because coming through that, he can look back and say, although I lost everything, although everything was taken away from me, although we suffered much in that season of our life, God is still good, and at the end of it, we came out and were given double for our trouble. And now, his children, coming through the other side of this suffering, can be blessed by the testimony of God's faithfulness by what they saw in their father's life and the stories that he shared with them. See sometimes your suffering isn't just suffering. yes, there are things that just happened, but as we just read in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is that all things work together for the good. Things that just happen to us work together for good. Things that God has allowed to enter into our life will work together for good. There is always a purpose to the pain. Always. It's not always a pleasant thing to go through. But at the end of it, you will look back and be able to find blessing in the stuff that you went through. There are things in my life that were out of my control that just happened to me, but I look back on it and I say, I thank God I went through that. Because if I wouldn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have the wisdom and the knowledge to deal with those situations today, I look back on those circumstances. I say, if I wouldn't have had that experience, if that if I would not have walked through that, if that person wouldn't have said this or done that, and i even though I had no control over it and I thought I was doing the right thing in that moment, if I would not have had that experience, I would not be who I am today. The second thing I mentioned earlier is that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason it happens is because we are foolish and make a bad decision. We are disobedient to God. The The one that really sticks out to me is Jonah. It's one of my all-time Old Testament favorite Bible stories. I've always been fascinated by this story. If you don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah gets called to go to a place called Nineveh. Which, if you know the story of Jonah, there's a lot of irony in the name Nineveh, because the name Nineveh means the house or place of a fish. And so Jonah, in disobedience, because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, because Nineveh had a really nasty reputation for being a terrible place. He decided, I'm just not going to go where you want me to go, but instead I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to sail in the opposite direction. And it's actually almost twice as long to get to, uh, for him to get to Tarshish was the name of it as it was for him to just be obedient and go to Nineveh. It's twice as hard to be disobedient as it is to just obey God in the first place. So Noah gets on this boat, a storm erupts, and the people on the boat are like, what in the world happened that we are getting judged like this? They cast lots, it falls on Jonah. And Jonah says, listen, yeah, you got me. I, God said go to Nineveh. I didn't. I'm running away from it because that's not a fun place to be. Fast forward, Jonah gets thrown into the sea, and the Bible says that God appoints a fish to swallow Jonah. You know, I always understood this story growing up in Sunday school as the fish being a punishment. But really, when you read it, the fish is a rescue mission from God. If you read Jonah's prayer to God, Jonah is thanking him for saving him from the sea. He talks about the waves coming over him. He talks about how we could have drowned. And he's thanking God for the fish that swallowed him. You see, sometimes we, we look at our situations wrong. You know, we, we disobey. We get ourselves thrown into the metaphorical sea in our own life where we can drown. We get swallowed by a fish, and we think the fish is God punishing us What if the fish is God rescuing you What what is your fish in your life that you've been swallowed by that you think oh this is terrible this is a punishment from God but in reality God is saving you from drowning in the sea Have we ever thought about it like that before That you're going through something, but the thing you're going through, although it seems like suffering and feels like suffering and probably is a little bit of an uncomfortable situation, I cannot imagine being in the belly of a fish as a good time, but it is through the swallowing that Jonah gets rescued. What, what if the thing that has consumed you, the, the, the fish that has swallowed you, is God trying to rescue you from yourself? Because if he wouldn't have let you hit the belly of a fish and been engulfed by the fish, you would have drowned in the sea. But in his grace and mercy, he appointed a fish to rescue you. We really, I really believe we've read this story so wrong that the fish was punishment, but I believe that God used this fish to swallow him, but not just to swallow him, but to transport him and put him back, because Noah repented in that belly. He said, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I'll, I'll do right. And that fish just so happened to show up in, in, near the area of Nineveh and spit him out on dry land. Isn't that... Interesting that sometimes the rock bottom that we hit is God positioning us for our purpose in spite of our disobedience. You see, sometimes we make our own mistakes, we run the opposite direction from God, we blatantly disobey Him, and God saves us from our own drowning. We don't like the way He saves us all the time. But it's necessary. See, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you can understand. You have to hit rock bottom before you can truly be free. You have to hit rock bottom because we got thick skulls. And it takes hitting rock bottom for God to get through to us. But I am thankful today that when the suffering is my own fault, when the bad things are my own fault, I am thankful that God's grace and goodness is there to scoop me up out of the sea when I'm drowning, and although it might be a stinky, smelly fish, and it might not be a good time, and the Bible says He vomited Jonah up, which I'm sure was messy and gross, but sometimes God rescuing us is a very messy process and gross process, but by the end of it, He spits us out in a place where we can fulfill His purpose in our life. Jonah was put on the shores of Nineveh, where he could go and finally do what God called him to do. And Jonah goes and he preaches, he says, You better repent, or judgment's coming. And guess what? Nineveh repents. Jonah actually, I'm not preaching all of it today, but Jonah gets upset. He's sitting there waiting on the judgment to come. And God teaches him a valuable lesson. He says, listen, you're upset about all this. He goes, but I love these people. He goes, I don't want to destroy them. I don't I want them to flourish. God wants us to flourish today, but sometimes we got to walk through some stuff to grow and to flourish and to be holy and to be righteous. Everything that happens to us in our life is for a purpose. There are lots of little purposes in our life. And when I say little purpose, I mean specific to you purposes. There are unique callings, unique giftings that each and every one of us has in our life that God is molding us and shaping us to fulfill. I could not sit here and just sit here and say, well, the purpose is this. And, and it be true for every person because God has designed us all uniquely and he's shaping us and molding us into who he wants us to be. The one thing I can tell you that is the general purpose for all who believe in him is in Romans 8.29 and it says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That comes right after verse 28, which we read and says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And then he goes into verse 29 saying what the purpose is. The ultimate purpose for believers is to be like Christ. The ultimate purpose is to be conformed to be more like Jesus every day. Now, you have some individual purposes that are in this room, individual callings and giftings, but no matter what that is, you are to look like Christ and represent Christ in whatever that is. And I find that through these journeys of people like Job and Jonah, and there's plenty of others in the Scripture, that oftentimes when they come through the other side, they have a change in their life that has made them more understanding. It has made them more merciful and more graceful. More, more gracious. And it has created the, in them a likeness that is more like Christ. You see, Jonah learned a valuable lesson about mercy and obedience. Jesus was the most obedient as he obeyed the Father and died on a cross. Jesus was the most merciful when he forgave us of our sins through his death on the cross. Job learned a valuable lesson about suffering and faithfulness in the suffering, and Jesus is the most faithful in his suffering. You see, at the end of it, we are to be conformed into the image of Christ and to be more like him every day. That is the grand purpose until we get to heaven. The Bible says that he who began a good work in us will finish it until the day of Jesus. And the scripture also tells us, I believe it's in Second Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 4, where it says we are beholding as in a mirror the glory of God and we are being transformed into that image going from glory to glory. In other words, we are beholding the image of Christ, all of His glory, all of His magnificence, and God is working on us in a process of making us more like Him every day. But sometimes that process involves a little bit of suffering in order for us to achieve that purpose. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?